Oh, what? Again? You all good, bro? Yeah, my phone just died. It keeps doing this. Oh, man. That sucks. I've got 90% on mine. You should probably charge your phone more often. Right. Well, well I charged it overnight and it's 10 a.m. Yeah, so. I've got 90% on mine. I know. You said that already. Oh, my God. Well, your phone is dead. Am I awake right now? My phone is so amazing. I charged it yesterday. Been using it all morning. You're not going to believe this, actually. Well, it's on... I know it's on 90%. <laughs> Before we recorded this skit forever, I specifically said to Walt, this sounds like something we've said in real life. <laughs> I, I would believe it. I would believe Honestly, it. Honestly, yeah, me too. Uh, welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC, helping you to have better games of Commander. I am your host, Walt. Hello, Commander players. It's your other host, James. Well, we ha- we're talking about power. So I we wonder were. if I wonder if the Space Commanders have... I mean, I haven't received any texts from them. I haven't I- either. I've just now stopped answering because of all the weird stuff that happens. With- the lights coming off. Yeah. Was- the- it, was- it was something. But I did see the email in our inbox. And yes. it's got the audio file. So It does. Let's 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 give it a, cra- a crack. So let's it's an incoming it transmission. It's from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. Consider the best method. For defining your power level. Oh, there's, I'm not sure if you can see this. In the Before we got to the audio file, did you see that this is a fan-requested episode? Oh, so are they in touch with our fans now, the I'm Space Commanders? Really, can, if you guys are talking to the Space Commanders, can you tell them that we'd stop. like... Stop. The, tell them to stop. Well, we'd like the key to our cell to get out. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to leave the room. Um. <laughs> I'm really keen for this because we have actually talked about this once before. I'm not sure if you remember this. It's a while ago now, but on episode two, we had a bit of a conversation about rule zero. Oh, we did. And obviously rule zero kind of talks about power level. Naturally. Yeah. I think actually I, I was looking back at, um, cause I, I also remembered that we mm. talked about this and I was looking back at that episode and, um, around this time, I, I don't know if you remember, I was writing little sort of suggestions of how long we should talk about everything. And I distinctly remember I that remember. this chunk of the rule zero one, I'd written 20 minutes. I was like, that's a good amount of time. I think it ended up being closer to 30 or 35 because it's a, it's a huge thing, right? So strap in for commander. a three hour extravaganza, everybody on <laughs> oh, power levels. God, I hope not. After the, is our longest, I think it's still the responding one, right? That, that was, was the one that I, yeah, yeah, the one that I was very passionate about and wrote so many card examples <laughs> and just got very obsessed with yes. it. Yes. Well, we'll do our best to not make it that long, but, um, look, it, it's, it's a really important chunk of what's going to affect how we, how our game of command is going to go, right? Yeah, it it, is. It's, it's literally laying the groundwork for what kind of match we want to have. It's the first question someone will ask in a Rule Zero conversation if you say, I want to play this deck. They're like, what power level is it? Yeah. And it's usually the first question someone will ask. Yeah. It's probably also one of the hard... It's getting harder and harder to answer that question honestly and accurately. I'd agree. And yeah. I, I think we should start right off the bat with... Um, I will say we don't see this a lot in our store, but online, this is extremely prevalent, which is Mm. the number scale, right? Mm. You give it a score out of 10. Um, you sort of look at your deck and you go, yep, I reckon my deck is a six. And then someone sort of tries to base it around roughly what that number is. The funny thing is though, I am not a big fan of this, Mm. um, this number system because it doesn't say like because we've talked about how complicated the commander format is and how many nuances there are to it. Do you really think you can sum up a deck in a number? Yeah, it's hard to say. I I, I think yeah. Look, I, the the main problem we run into 
to be honest. I don't mm. know if you've seen this before, but pretty much every deck ends up being a seven. Yeah, it's the it's good, but it's not really good. But yeah. it's 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 good. Like it's yeah. that everyone it's it's this weird thing of like I want to be really modest about my deck, but also I don't want to undersell it, but I don't want to oversell it. So seven is a good ground. Yeah. There's also weirdly, I'm not sure if you've seen this before, but if you ask someone to pick a number in their head between one and ten, the likeliness of them picking three or seven is above fifty percent. Yeah, I think I've heard this before. It's like yeah. kind of like a, a zero magic involved magic trick. Just, yeah. just ask them to pick a number and seven. then go, was it seven? And they go, oh my god, how did you know that? <laughs> You're Statistics, <in> my brain. <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, you, you'll see that a lot online, mm. right? People trying to pick their number, but I, I want to kind of give an example of how we go wrong with these numbers, right? And why yeah. we end up at everything being a seven. So, um, let's say that I am new to commander, mm-hmm. right? I've bought a precon. Um, let's say I've, I've maybe swapped in five cards, right? I've took, taken out five of those like super you watched high commander costed. command zone. Episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, uh, I didn't buy all the cards, but I sort of looked at five of them and went, yeah, I can afford that. I swapped mm-hmm. those in. Um, I always have like stacks of fun when I play it. It's like, it's definitely better than it was when it was a pre-con. Um, and I think, you know, it's not bad. It's not amazing. It's probably roughly a seven. But it's right? a well-made deck because it started as a pre-con. So it's got the right amount of ramp. It's got the yeah. right amount of removal. It's got all the necessities of a commander deck. You've upgraded it a bit. So it's above that five range, but it's not blown out of the water Yeah, it's yet, not so an it's eight. It's not a nine. Seven is a good place to put it. Seven seems, healthy, yeah. seems sensible, right? Yeah. But the thing that's going to happen is, right? That's, that's my idea of a seven. Let's say that Daniel... Okay, one of uh, the Xenagos player in our store, Mr. Lord and Stompy himself. Yes, yep. uh, like very uh, avid standard player, very avid draft player. Very good. Yeah, he's very also been good. playing Commander for a really long time and mm. has a lot of really powerful Commander decks. So let's say he's built a new deck uh, only from cards that he owns. He hasn't really bought anything, um, but it has like some of the best cards from standard over the last 10 15 years because that's like roughly how long he's been playing magic for, yeah right yeah. So he's just thrown in the cards that he owns that were great in standard he's like yeah this seems great in this human tribal deck or whatever right um maybe he trades someone for a couple more extra cards just to like round out the deck he's like yep that sounds pretty good yeah. Um, the deck's super solid, but he knows for a fact it's not CDH because he's seen some CDH before. He knows that's not where it's at. So in his mind, he's like, okay, it's strong. It's not like CDH, but it's strong. I reckon it's a seven. Yeah, they're two very different decks. They're completely yeah. different decks, right? But but you can see how both of those people arrived at a seven. I, I think yeah. it's worth pointing out that neither of these people are intentionally, like, willfully no. lying about their deck. They just both genuinely think their deck is probably roughly a seven, right? Yeah, and I've heard of people being really in favour of the number scale because it allows individuals to put their decks on an almost number line. Like, if I got out all your decks, Mm. you could kind of arrange them in power level and put them almost on a number line kind of system. So it's a really good way of, like, personally going, this is my middle-of-the-range deck in my collection, this is my powerful deck, and this is my (laughs) jank pile of cards. Like, that's, that's where it sits. So you know in your collection, where to pull decks from. Mm. But when you pair that against someone else's collection or someone else's standard, it's very different. My five could be your four, could be your seven, could be your ten. Like, it's very different for each player. And I find that this is part of the reason why I don't like this system, is especially when... Because, for example, I went to the Gold Coast and went to a game store on the Gold Coast. Never been there before, had no idea. So I took two commander decks when I went to the... By the way, went up to see family and friends... 
took two commander decks <laughs> just in case. James is always prepared. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know what's really funny? Actually, I ended up in lockdown, and that was when I was on the Gold Coast, and I got quarantined because I was a oh, close contact. Did. Those two commander decks saved my sanity in hotel lockdown because I ended up figuring out how to do webcam games. Oh, and jumped really? on, yeah, and played a couple of games with people online in wow. webcam. I'm, sh- I'm shocked I missed out on that. That seems like the kind of thing that I would have hopped in on. It but was super fun. Maybe I didn't have the setup yet. Yeah, it was also, I was doing it with some of the guys that I've met in Queensland that were teaching me. It was, it was good fun. Anyway, but like, I had these two decks, and the decks that I bought at the time, this is at the start of last year, yep. the ones that I took was Scarab God, and I took Niv-Mizzet. Because in my brain, I was like, this is a level five to seven, and my level 8 to 10. Good decks to bring to, like, a random store. Sure. And I said, oh, I've got a Scarab God deck, and it's, like, medium kind of power. I'd probably put it at, like, a 6. And it's, way as we've discussed in this podcast, way more powerful than a 6 now. But at the time, I said it was about a 6 or a 7. And then I sat down at this table, and these other guys were like, yeah, we've got decks at about a 6 or a 7. My 6 or 7 was their 10. Really? Yeah, my Scarab God deck. You think my Scarab God deck's good now? My God, it blew them out the water. Wow. But then I met up with another bunch of people at that store, different group of people. And again, this is like in the same store. I said, right, I've got this Scarab God deck, but it just completely annihilated those guys. I've also got my Niv-Mizzet deck, which is I'm trying to make it a CDH deck. And they're like, oh, we play pretty high power, so play your your Niv-Mizzet deck. My really high powered was a two. They were cracking wow. fetch lands and getting dual lands and dropping mana vaults and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay. And they're like casting demonic tutor and like getting combo pieces on turn two, like, you know, that kind of level. And Niv at the time just was nowhere near. So one table, it was my five was a 10 and the other table, my nine was a three. Like yeah. It, well, and funnily enough, even when you're telling that story, and this is the other thing, like I, I agree we should move away from the number scale, but I think we should also move away from like one word answers to questions because when you yeah. were describing that story, actually in the second example, when you came to those, that group of people and were talking about your scape got into visit deck, you just said one of them is almost CDH and one of them is, um, you know, just, like, beat those guys. And so, like, those are... Very short. Answers, yeah, yeah, still... Yeah. Not numbers, but still, like, you're still giving, like, a super short way introduction yeah. to your deck. And, like, I'm not saying you need to give a super long introduction, but I think, like, those one word... Because the other words you'll see thrown away under, like, optimised, right? Synergized. Synergized. Efficient. Yeah. Jank. Yeah, yeah. jank. Like, all, all these labels are, are, again, super subjective, right? Because your jank... Like, I know players at our store yeah. where their jank would probably blow me out of the water. I got a really good deck as an example for that. The Shizo um, uh, low creatures. You know the Shizo legendary creature? It's an uncommon. Whenever a creature with power one on oh, the Oh, Charade. Charade, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, I got introduced... I think it was Vi, actually, that introduced me to that deck. And I, remember, I, I remember that deck, yeah. And, I, and he, he, they kind of was like, oh, this is jank. This is a bunch of rats. It's really weird. They locked us out of the game on yeah. turn four. I was like, wow. Because that's the one where when a creature with power two or less you control dies, return I think you it return the it at the end step, I think. Yeah. yeah. So you just have a bunch of sack outlets, a bunch of low power, and just yeah. get value out. But like it. the thing is, most of the creatures in black, in mono black, that do that are making your opponents discard. Yeah. So I think from memory, when I played against it as well, you just end up with no hand, and mm. Vi can recur those creatures every time. I think Vi disassembled that deck not long after we played that game, actually. And really? I, I don't think they own it anymore. Oh, that's a shame, because it was a really good deck. It was a really good, but it sat at this weird power level. Look, we'll talk about that later, but yeah. there, are, there are sort of decks that sit at this weird spot. So look, we, we don't want to talk about 
the the numbers too much because we again we don't love them as a way of introducing our deck. So what we can should, we do instead? But we, right? we I'm glad we gave it a little bit of a, a shout out because there are people that use this, and I think even with if even if even if you want to give your deck a number scale, have a deeper conversation. Yeah, I think that's how we'll end that number scale. Yeah, for sure. All I right, agree. Paper. Yeah, paper ring throw. Right, cover oh! your eyes. Oh! Hey, okay, hey, nobody got hurt. That's nice. Apart from the dog in the corner, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, if we're moving away from numbers, what are we moving towards instead? Um, I'd actually like to shout out a podcast that I listen to every now and then. Um, mm-hmm. Not not as much as I'd like to, because I don't have a lot of time now that I'm working on my own podcast. Yeah. But uh, The Commander Sphere, which is hosted by uh, Dan Sheehan and Rachel Weeks. Um, yeah. Rachel Weeks, a lot of you will probably know from... Um, she's been on a lot of gameplay videos on YouTube. She's been on Game Nights a couple of times. She has been on Game Nights a couple of times. I think she's also been on Extra Turns from memory. She's also really cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's a, just a really great... I follow her on Twitter. If awesome you don't follow person. her on Twitter already, d- do it for sure. And if you don't use Twitter anymore, congratulations, you're a normal person. Everyone comment Twitter's <laughs> dead in the comments for what? <laughs> oh, I wish Twitter was dead. Anyway, um, <laughs> I shouldn't do that when James is drinking. I had a map full of water. <laughs> Okay, so one of the things that they talked about in one of their episodes, which I thought was so interesting, was their version... When they were talking about power level, they said most players are after either the sizzle or the steak. Mm. So, what they mean by that is, for some people, Commander is about the... The way you end the game, the, the the destination you arrive at, that last big spell, and that is what they would describe as the steak. Mm-hmm. The sizzle is about people who really enjoy the way the game progresses, seeing people who say stuff like, I love seeing my deck do the thing, the, right? The... F- the um... The maybe the commander game is the friends we made along the way. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's so it, it's not saying that either of them is better or worse, but there is like a, a pretty fundamental difference in the way you're going to go about building your deck, right? Hundred percent. Because one group of people is going to be like, okay, I want to win like this. How do I make my deck get to that as quickly as possible? And a bunch of other people are going to be like, I think I want my deck to win something like this, but I really want to do it through these five cards. You know, I yeah. want I want to play this card that synergizes with this card and, and see how and that I want pops everyone off. to go, whoa! Yeah, 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 exactly, right? So it's the sizzle versus the steak. Um, Before we move on, I'm yeah. really, with this analogy, I'm mm. really curious. I'm going to have my opinion held back, but I'm curious to know yours. A CDH player, what do you think they prefer, the sizzle or the steak? I think I think you'd have to say the steak, mm, but okay. I think th- th- these things don't work in isolation. Yeah, I suppose. So, in a funny sort of a way, the steak for the CDH player is also the like loads of interaction. Yeah, for which sure. is kind of its own sizzle, right? Yeah. But you don't ever really build a CDH deck without a win con. Like, there's like stacks decks yeah. that are you know in quotation marks. Win conless in that they don't have a combo. They usually have approach to the second sun in it. <laughs> they they might, but then yeah. they also just win through combat damage. That's like true. that's that's what's called like win conless st- um, yeah. stacks in CDH because you almost nobody You're wins. Beating through someone damage. with a two four commander over and over. Yeah, and basically, over again. yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that you said that because in my opinion, it's more about the sizzle, right? Because like. I've, I'm now playing a lot of CDH and yeah. I can't wait to talk about CDH more on this podcast because I think it's an area of Commander that more casual players should look at as another way to play Commander. Mm. Regardless, by the by, I've been playing a lot recently and I've noticed something about CDH games. Everyone's face is super lit up even when they're countering spells and they're getting blown out and all those kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Right at the end of the game though, someone goes, Thassa's Oracle, Demonic Consult? 
And everyone goes, right, shuffle up, do it again. No one cares about the end of the game. Right. Everyone's all about that start of the game, fast manner, who's getting out. It's like, mm. it's almost like a horse race. And it's really exciting when horse races are close at the very end, when there's a photo finish and there's lots of interaction right at the end. But a lot of the time there's one horse that blows out the gate and gets to the end pretty quick. Mm. So the excitement is that like right at the gate, blowing out, like right, like getting them going, like see if you can get it out. Yeah, I find, I just, I was really interested to hear your opinion as, like, Mm. someone that doesn't play a lot of CDH. Yeah, I I mean, look, I I think everyone wants to play games of Commander that are close and that are, like, super... boring games. No, (laughs) no, and super interactive. And so, like, yeah, that includes CDH players because CDH players are Commander players, right? Mm. But, yeah, I I guess it's more like the deck building process, I would say, is different. Where when you're building the deck for CDH... You're not really about the sizzle. You want your interaction, oh, right, but, but you're you. building your deck to win a particular way, right? Yeah, whereas, that's true. Whereas the way that, um, for, for instance, I, I don't really have a CDH deck. Like when I'm building my decks, I'm thinking about what kind of fun plays I want to get up to. I'm not really yeah. thinking about the win almost at all. I'm like, okay, I should have some way of winning in the end. Shout out to episode one yeah. <laughs> of the podcast. End the end game, the people. Game. End yeah, the game. you have to end the game sometimes. But um, in general, I'm all about that. Yeah, all the, the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the real win con is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> actually, actually works surprisingly well. But look, we, we did actually talk about this in uh, episode two. Yeah. Um, how we should intro- introduce our deck if we're not going to use those numbers. Yeah. Um, and the three questions we asked and i'd like to bring them up again because i think they're they're pretty good in my opinion i feel like this won't be the last time we talk about no this, I, th- I think it's just like a good principle to, to we're work in episode on. nine we've talked about this twice already get ready for episode 16 we'll talk about it again <laughs> Roughly, like, yeah. yeah it comes up every now and then yep so the questions that we raised in episode one were um this is what you would ask someone before mm. the game how does your deck win how consistently does it reach that win condition how does it prevent opponents from winning Okay, I have an idea. Okay. Let's do some practice runs. Okay. This. Let's use the, let's take these three questions and sit down at a table and play some commander together. We'll forget about we'll, let's just go play some commander. So let's <laughs> No, okay, let's use some of our decks and go through these as an example. So I'm gonna say first off the cab of the rank, your Kruk Chroma deck. Your Kruk, the Thumbless and a Chroma. So Okay, so we're asking these three questions. Yeah, so, I'm playing my Kruk and a Chroma deck. Yeah. What, what am I gonna say? I'm going to ask you, well, how does your deck win? It wins by polymorphing into Mirrorwing Dragon and then copying my spells a bunch of times for a million creatures. Oh, that's really cool. How many other creatures are in the deck for the chance of that to happen? There's like two creatures that do that. And I have to polymorph into them and there's like four spells that polymorph. Wow. So it's like, it's... It could go good, but it's, it's got that chance. It's probably not going to go good. Okay, but how consistently do you think you reach that win condition? Like, how many times have you played the deck and how many times do you get it? Uh, I reckon 20% of the time I blow 20%. everyone out of the water and the other 80% I do nothing. <laughs> 80% of the time... Actually, this is really funny. Uh, yeah, 80% of the time you are flipping coins with Grok and doing nothing. And failing my coin flips, yeah. usually, yeah. Okay, so if... If um if that's your win condition, how do you stop me from winning the game? Is there any like really horrible stacks pieces that I should be aware of or what? No. It's just just straight up removal, like you know. Classic uh, kill the creature. Yeah, lightning bolts sort of things. Yep. I'm removing creatures, but mostly I'm just trying to get my ridiculous thing to work. Okay, fantastic. Now I know exactly what your deck does. That was a good that was a good conversation, actually. That felt really 
informative. I know exactly what your deck does, and now I know what I should think about in my collection that matches that kind of level. Yeah. If if you're only expecting to win twenty percent of the time, I'm not gonna pull out my Firelaff deck. <laughs> um, so let's. All right, well, well, speaking of, let's say that you are pulling out that Firelaff okay. deck. Let's. Uh, I haven't introduced Crocromer, so yeah. you don't know that you shouldn't play it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're, we're starting a new it's a, a new, new game of Commander. Pun, yep. Pun. Yep. I. Uh, I can see you pull out your Firelife deck. I'm yep. like, okay, James, how does your Firelife deck win? Okay, the, the deck actually has a couple of ways of winning. The first way is flooding the board with lots of plants and spreading those plus one counters across and then doing a triumph of the hordes or overwhelming stampede kind of effect. Sure. The other way of winning is getting one very, very big plant and doing something like a fling effect. Okay. I've got a, a Kazul's Fury in there, I've got a Fling, a couple of redundancies, or I've got this incredible equipment that's called Mage Slayer's... Oh. Mage Slayer. It's a Gruul equipment. I think it's just called Mage Slayer. Mage Slayer? Yeah, it's really fun. This is actually a podcast recommendation. You should look up this card. <laughs> it's good I, fun. I think it's also quite cheap. Maybe it's a Thrifty Thursdays possibility. I don't think it's very expensive, no. Yeah, so it's a really fun equipment. When the equipped creature attacks, it deals the damage to the atta- a player being attacked equal to its power. Immediately, on attack. Yep. Mwah. Doesn't even need to connect. Love it's that. absolutely crazy. So, so you're usually winning with combat damage in this fight. Combat yeah. damage, or I have the one flame. copy of Cobblin Bo- Bombardment, for example, and right. I can just throw all the plants at you. But so usually combat. Usually combat damage, or a Sometimes a stack thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, how consistent is it, do you reckon, at winning like that? Pretty consistent now. It, right. it used to be pretty low-powered, but now I have, for example, a Crucible of Worlds, a Raminap Excavator... And uh, Ancient Green Warden. Wow, okay. And I have lots of effects to play multiple lands. So if I have a Fable Passage in my bin, I can put up to 18, 24 plus one counters on a creature or multiple creatures in a turn. Wow. So it's pretty consistent. I'd say nowadays it's 60% of the time it will win. It's It's pretty stompy. Okay. And how are you going to be stopping me from winning if I'm trying to win? There, uh, there are a couple of effects that, um, I mean, my first effect is forcing you to block, protecting your life total. Sure, yeah. Um, the next effect is I love using the Goblin Bombardment removal strategy. Right, just I, remove all my creatures by sacking your plants. I can get a million plants. You are playing it. You could play a deck that only has a couple. I'm going to remove them pretty easily. Sure. But there's not actually a lot of destroy target this, destroy target that. I've got a couple of enchantment removal things, but that's about it. It's pretty low on removal. It's, it more does its thing quite quickly. Cool. See that, yeah, again, like I feel like we ended up at a spot, but I, to be honest, the most informative question I think here was how consistent is it? Because like yeah. the de- the deck strategy itself was pretty straightforward. It's combat. There's some mm-hmm. like sack effects and stuff, but it was when you said, I have these three contingencies, Ancient Green Warden, Crystal of Worlds, Raminet Excavator. That I can play great lands yeah. from Graveyard. In my head, I'm going, okay, this is a strong deck, yeah. right? This has got a lot of ways of backing up itself and everything. It's funny because I was really tempted when we were role playing that out. I was really tempted to say, but... I don't run fe- the dual fetch lands. I don't right. run those. I only have, in terms of fetches, I only have Terramorphic Expanse, uh, Fabled Passage, Evolving Wilds, and I guess you could count Myriad Landscape. It comes in uh, tabs. so it's not slow, the same. Though, yeah. yeah, so those three are my only fetches. So a sure. lot of the time, I actually tutor for an Evolving Wilds, uh. <laughs> which is super lame. But That's honestly, if you can play an Evolving Wilds from your graveyard three times in a turn... Oh, yeah, I've done it. Yeah, it's, good. it's absolutely, it's absolutely good. nuts. Yeah, for sure. So interesting. So that was a different 
sort of yeah i think it differed from my Chroma deck mostly in the consistency thing my deck mm. my Chroma deck almost never reaches wincon yours was pretty consistent almost all of the because time because i have a lot of contingency i said yeah. like i've got kazul's fury and fling yeah. i've got these three effects that say the same thing sure i've got all yeah i've got lots of things that do the same stuff in my deck which means i reach it quite consistently yeah for sure for sure well for, for a slightly different uh change of pace let's say i've Start a new game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pulling out my Sisse Shrines deck. So in this scenario, you heard my Fire Left deck and went, yep, nope, moving to a different part. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, yeah. yeah. So so your Sisse Shrine deck. Yes. All right, first question, how does it win? I'm assuming Shrines. <laughs> it, <laughs> it wins by getting Sanctum of All out and usually with one the, the Shrine that uh, drains people. So, uh, so I'm winning. Gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm going to get multiple Shrines triggers in my upkeep and I'm going to drain you all for a bunch of life. So I, I, I'm pretty pretty familiar with shrines and there are some things that shrines do that remove my stuff Mm. how big is your deck on stopping me from winning well it's actually pretty staxy um Mm. so because i can tutor anything from any legendary with sisse i actually have a bunch of sort of like legendaries that stop you from doing stuff yeah i've got kunaros in there Um, i'm not playing my final yeah probably (laughs) not uh yeah it's it's got quite a few ways actually of stacking out like a few like rule of law style things where you can only Uh, cast one spell a turn well i'll put my mizzix deck away yeah (laughs) exactly uh yeah it's it's actually pretty difficult to play against in that way okay interesting but like how often do you think your deck will win through shrines because like shrines is a very delicate thing to get how i mean how consistently does it win you reckon not it's a pretty standard kind of win rate like it wins if i can get enough of the shrines but if people remove them early it's pretty hard for me to come back yeah it's like it's reasonably solid but it's not it's not backbreaking, I think. Okay. All right. Well, I've got a deck that matches that kind of thing and can play around rule of law effects. So, yeah. Cool. What a good... Another fantastically done cut. We should do this on stage. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. Can we do one more? Yeah, sure, we'll do, sure. Uh, I'm going to... Well, we've mentioned it so many times. I'm really curious. I actually don't know how I'm going to answer this. So, this is a good one. My Scarab God deck. I'm going to pull it oh, out. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Hit me. Hit I me. mean, well, for one, there's, there's an implicit lie in this scenario, which is that you could actually pull out your Scarab God deck and I could say, okay, I'm going to leave, James. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be standing going, does anybody want to play? <laughs> My, does anyone want to go up against zombies? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's pretend I don't know James's Scarab God deck. Uh, you're not Walt. Scenario. Your name is Jared. Um, oh, you're Jared now. Oh, hey, James. <laughs> James. Yes, Jared. This man I've just met. James, how does your deck win, mate? How does Scarab God win the game? Well, tradie that I've just found on the street that wants to play a game of Commander. <laughs> My deck wins. It's it's actually a Scarab God deck that generally wins not through flooding the board with zombies and going to combat and having lots of zombie buff effects, it generally wants to do things like Paradox Haze effects, where it has enough zombies to give me enough value on the scryer to get the right cards I need, drain my opponents for enough on the turn, but then do it again for a Paradox Haze effect, and then do it again for a Sphinx of the Second Sun effect. Oh, okay. Yeah, sweet. And, like, how consistent do you reckon a deck is at, like, making that happen? Because that sounds, like, pretty crazy to me. Well, just as consistently as you take Smokos, I'd say it's... Oh, every day, mate. 
<laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm, I'm gonna stop. I'm trying so hard to stay in <laughs> character. It's just too good. Jared's retired. All right. Jared's gone. He's oh, gone. Well, I'm so glad you're back. Oh. My deck wins pretty oh, hi, consistently. <laughs> it wins pretty consistently, but it wins um, in pretty like ruthless ways. Like it, it, it is unapologetic. It will steal cards from your graveyard, and it will mill you down, and it will take stuff away. Sure, and, so, and you said it's pretty consistent. Like, do you have a, a lot of ways to tutor stuff to your hand or to the graveyard? I or? now have... Uh, I used to not do this, but now I have more because I found the deck was more fun to play at a higher power. Sure. And cards like Sphinx the Second Sun, I want to cast. So I now run Demonic Tutor, Diabolical Tutor, Entomb, and by the way, Entomb and Reanimate are both in the deck. So on turn two... I could entomb something and reanimate Shieldred, for example. Wow. So, like, I, I mean, I take eight life, but it's it's pretty quick and sure. pretty good at getting those pieces. So, Shieldred's a good example. Like, how, what other kinds of ways of interacting with my board am I likely to expect? Like, how, how else are you going to be stopping me from doing my stuff? Uh, I could get Fleshbag Marauder out in the battlefield a couple okay, of times. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah. Make you sack a bunch of creatures. Um, I've also got a couple of effects that like, uh, I mean, stealing from you is a big thing. Um, taking stuff from your graveyard. If you play any kind of graveyard Oh, right. Scarab God just does that, right? Yeah. Yeah. On, on the card, pay four mana and just take something, take creature from the graveyard basically. So probably like Meryn's a good matchup, but like it probably not because I'll take the thing before you take it or you use it. Right. And, and like, I will take multiple you know extra upkeeps and stuff like that so i'm playing my deck quite a lot you'll probably not play your deck a lot (laughs) (laughs) i want to congratulate you james on actually being like that was a very accurate actually representation of what scary god is like i thought maybe you would try and undersell it a little bit and be like oh it's not too bad but like no it's i you're pretty accurate like it's pretty difficult to play against because there's the tutors there mm. because it yeah it gets to those things really consistently so i think again the key question there was probably the consistency one yeah um, i also think with the scarab one the thing that would turn and again with your sis it's how do you stop me winning is mm. there the questions that would turn players like for example in that role play situation where you said i have rule of law effects and i'm like ew i'll put my mizzix deck away mm. a storm player would go oh, i don't want to play against that yeah so like they they will know like oh, i don't really like those kinds of effects because it stops me from doing stuff and mm. then you can go all right maybe not to say like it encourages conversation that's what it does yeah and look i i, I th- those conversations were great they're obviously a little bit of an ideal world where probably everyone knows each other really well everyone's pretty mm. comfortable talking so like we're not always going to get to quite that level yeah um so there's a few ways we can we can kind of shortcut the process and get straight to the nitty gritty. It's not as ideal as a, as a proper conversation, but we can kind of get to the most important stuff. So in the Sissé example, the main thing that I do these days, and I don't know, maybe some people find this controversial or something, but I just, with almost any deck I play now, I pull out every card that I think might make someone salty before the game. I like that. So like in my Sissé deck, I just pull out every stacks piece. I appreciate that. I, I just pull out like, you know, the rule of law. I pull out the Kenoros. I pull out, you know, I think I had Yashan in there for a little mm-hmm. while. Like the cards that I think are, are most likely for someone to look at it and go, oh, wow, this sucks. I can't play my deck. So for like, if I was doing my Scarab God, I'd be like, right, here's my Sheldred. Here's my flesh bag. Here's my Plaguecraft or like... I'm going to make you sack your creatures. If you don't like that, sorry, this yeah. is what my deck is. Tell me. And I think, funnily enough, the other thing, you don't, don't necessarily need to pull them out, but the thing that you, you would probably want to allude to there, and you, you did when we were talking about it, is how many tutors you have. 
ways of tutoring to the graveyard, ways of tutoring to your hand. And how quick I could do it too. That was another yeah. thing that I said. The fact that I run in tomb and reanimate, that means if I swamp turn one, swamp turn two, boom, boom. Like... Yeah. Well, and those tutors, I think, in isolation of any other card, are probably the most likely to increase your consistency rate, right? Like, you can take any deck, any win condition, and if you take it from zero tutors to five tutors... Oh. I reckon that deck becomes, like, substantially better. There's a, a great um, phrase that nitpicking nerds use, funnily yeah. enough, when they're talking about their decks, where they describe every tutor as, this is another copy of best card in the deck. That's right? a really good point, yeah. So, like, you know, if I'm playing my Krakroma deck, right, I always need to... Poly- yeah, that's another copy of Mirroring Dragon, or it's another yeah. copy of Polymorph. Like, it's yeah. another copy of whichever card I need most right then, yeah. and that single-handedly takes your deck so many pegs higher in the power level sort of ratings interesting just doing that i'm gonna pause the podcast for a hot second do you run sunforger in crocoma i don't it how expensive are the polymorphs the polymorphs oh i see what you're getting at here I, i'm just thinking this might be another way to get polymorphs i think most of them are sorceries actually uh, and you have to get an instant, instant. it's gotta be a red or white instant oh, i think yeah i think I don't think there's anything I could get. There's, there's funnily enough, there's one that costs four, but not in my library because it has Undaunted. Oh, Do you remember that mechanic? Yeah. It costs one less for each opponent you have. The so, weird commander mechanic that yeah. appears once every. I hope they moon. bring it back. It's I such actually, a weird one. It's interesting. Ah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It, yeah. I, it's such a small hoop to jump through in commander that maybe it's not worth printing. Or... But it's also really weird when you get to like the late game and you're in one on one or you yeah, have a pot of five or it's. It's weird. It's like, do I include this card because it's really good in these situations, but not in this? Yeah. Anyway, we, we're digressing a little yes. bit. But my next thing that I wanted to point out is tutors, yes, are a fantastic thing to talk about because it is a redundancy. It is, I'm going to get the best card in my deck. That applies really strongly with certain deck strategies. Combo, if you are going up against a combo deck and they're like, this is a combo deck, it wins with this, ask them, how many tutors do you run? Because if they say they run three it's gone up just immediately because they're getting the pieces they need. But there is another thing that all decks will p- bump in power and it's mana acceleration. Right. So yeah. all de- doesn't matter what strategy you're playing. If you have a ton of mana really quickly, you can do more things. It's true. It's true. I, I, I think I would probably immediately draw the line here between like ramp and like even strong ramp and fast mana different so, thing entirely yeah so yeah. fast mana for those who don't know is sort of a colloquial term for anything that gets you more mana than it costs in the first place or it puts you immediately ahead of a traditional turn mana curve yes yeah um yeah so it it basically costs you nothing in the turn that you do it or it it, it costs you nothing in a sense so sometimes it actually costs you nothing like um Primarch. mana crypt Yep, Chrome Mox, Mana Crypt, both examples of things that literally cost zero. That is, you cannot define anything else as other fast mana. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Sol Ring is one mana and gets you two mana the turn it comes down. Yep. I think it's probably not worth mentioning in the pregame conversation Sol Ring because pretty much everyone's going to have it. And also Sol Ring is one of those cards that's super accessible because it's in every precon. Yeah. It's like, it's not one of those cards that you should talk about. Mana Crypt though, mm. that's something you should talk about because if you have a Mana Crypt in your opening hand, Compared to Soul Ring, there's a couple of things that a lot of people don't realize. And I know this because I play with Mana Crypt and Soul Ring. Turn 1 Soul Ring, fantastic. But now turn 1, you've only got two colorless mana. Mana Crypt turn 1, you've got two colorless mana 
and the land you play. Oh, that is a, that's an untapped land. That's, big that's your colored source. Big difference. You can right. do, for example, a... Um, cultivate. Cultivate. Yeah, you can cultivate turn one. Wow. I don't know why you play mana crypts in a green deck. <laughs> maybe not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> You got exploration in Azuzu. Yeah, and maybe you don't need. Maybe yeah. don't need. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I definitely think. Look, cards like Mana Crypt, they don't. Sometimes people will see a card like Mana Crypt and go, "Oh, wow! I didn't want to play CDH." And it's like that's too far. I think. Yeah. But you can't deny that it does significantly increase the power of the uh, deck. 100%. It, it's, it doesn't mean that the person you're playing against is, is pub stomping you. And I say this because, unfortunately, there's a real narrative online of people posting... Uh, I go on the EDH subreddit a lot. Dangerous so, place. <laughs> a lot of people post and say, man, I just wanted to play a cruisy battle cruiser deck. And then this guy drops Mana Crypt on turn one. It's like, well, that doesn't automatically mean he was pub stomping you. He, yeah. he maybe should have warned you about it and he maybe should have said like, yeah, this deck's pretty strong. It runs cards like Mana Crypt in it. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. I think that the fast mana is a really interesting conversation because like sometimes like a lot of, you know, you, you crack a pack and you get a Chrome Monks. And you're like, mm. oh, hey, yeah, I'm going to put this in my favorite deck. And then you drop it and people might get scared. But that's your only piece of fast mana. Yeah. Something like that. Just be honest with the table and kind of like highlight a couple of things. Because you don't want to scare someone off on turn one. Because that results in the horrible thing of someone seeing something and going, I scoop. And just leaving. Yeah, we, we never want to have that. We yeah. want to avoid that conversation. And that the, the whole power level conversation in the, in the turn rule zero thing is to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I completely agree. And, and look, again, if we're talking in terms of that sort of shortcutting, the longer conversation, so mm. we do love the, you know, the uh, how does your deck win, how consistent is it win, how does it prevent opponents from winning, all that stuff is great. But again, we, we want to be starting small, right? Simple and conversation. Also, and, so- and, and we do understand, we understand that so many people that play Magic the Gathering do not want to engage in full-blown conversations yeah. with strangers in a game store. Sure. It can be really intimidating, especially when you're talking about something you've made. Mm. So I think there's a couple of tips and tricks we can give to make these conversations easier to have and shorter and condense yeah. them. Find the real information first, and then you can get into your game. Sure. And I think a good way to start here is by thinking about the kinds of things that... I wrote down a few sentences here mm. of... Things that I think people are likely to say in the pregame conversation, even if it's short, and how you can extrapolate from that, right? And find more out. Yeah. Yeah. So, the right questions to ask to follow up. So, you know, let's say um, I've sat down, I've pulled out a pre-con, and I've said, someone's sort of going like, oh, what kind of game are we after? And I've said, oh, this is a pre-con. Immediately, I would want to ask, how many cards are different from the pre-constructed deck? Mm. Like, is this... A straight up vanilla out of the box pre-constructed deck yeah or is this an upgraded pre-con because we're going to talk and even the number of cards here is going to mean a lot right five cards yep. versus 20 cards is going to be a really different deck right yeah for sure like i um i have this conversation a lot with new players because i always make sure to have my obun pre-con with me and i've swapped a card in that pre-con deck <laughs> yeah i love it I, I mean i mention it so much because it should have been in the pre-con anyway it because it was a zendikar pre-con and one of the best white landfall cards Felidar's Retreat was printed and it wasn't in the pre-con. Yeah. Bonkers. So I was like, take out Basic Forest, put that in, done. Yeah. (laughs) That card's so good. What what are the two modes? It's like either put a plus one counter on each creature you control, they gain vigilance until end of turn, already nuts. That alone, if that was just what the card did, good. (laughs) Or I think it's you make a 2-2 cat beast. 
Yeah, I I'm not sure if it's that's the tutu cat beast. It's a tutu cat of some description, but I'm not Maybe sure if it's, it's the beast. Cat. But yeah, yeah. it's it like if the card Damn. just gave vigilance and a plus one can. I think it would be bonkers, even if it was just plus one till end of turn and vigilance. Yeah. That would have been fine. Like, it still would yeah, have been good. It's, 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 strong. it's a yeah, silly card. In this example, right, you, you just made one hmm. one swap. So if I say, if you say, hey, I'm playing this precon, and I'm like, how many cards have you swapped? And you say one. I'm like, okay, I'm basically just playing a vanilla precon. Yeah, and I can even show you, and we can have that conversation about how broken the card is and how all that kind of stuff. But that is one card in my 99. Yeah, you might never see that card in the I don't have game. tutors in my precon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I run an enlightened tutor in my precon? Oh like, my God, imagine if they printed that in a precon. Yeah, there you go. But like that's so already I understand. Okay, if we're having a precon game, I want to know: Did you build this precon level deck? Did you did you build it? Yeah. Well, because a lot of people say, "Oh, I have a precon level deck," and if they say that, another good question to ask is: Did you build it? Yeah. Because is it, lo- is, it, is it a precon or precon level? Because that's the word you use. You said this is a precon level. Yeah, deck. and very different thing. For, I'll give you a really good example of this: my elves deck. Mm. I built that, and we've rent- we actually mentioned this on the last episode, on the budget episode. We did, yeah. Because I built it very budget, very low to the ground, very low power. And over time, I got, you know, Crater Hoof Behemoth. I got mm. a priest, priest of Titiana, and I like all, all these things. And now it's not. But I used to introduce it as a pre-con level deck. And I it, think that was accurate as well. Yeah, at the, time. I, at the time. But I think there was probably a period where I was introducing it as a pre-con level deck, and I didn't think about the upgrades I'd made to it since mm. I started it. So, just asking, if they say a key word to listen to is a precon level. Yes. If they say the word level, they've probably built it, and you should probably investigate a little more. <laughs> yes, you should, you should. Uh, another thing that you might hear would be something like, um, this deck is solid. Not offering a lot of information here, but if I just said to you, James, this deck is solid. I would probably respond with, okay, first off the bat, does it have any infinites? Any infinite oh, combo? combo. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. You're immediately going to get a very different answer, right? Yep. Like, no, I usually win through combat is very different from, yes, yes. I do. <laughs> and, I, and then I can go, okay, you've got an infinite. Is it an instant win? Like, does mm. it does it win on the spot? Or, or is, is it, it infinite mana, which then requires a payoff? Yeah. Is it infinite tokens, which then requires you to get through to combat? Or yeah, like, is it yeah. really conditional? Is it... Well, and yeah. this would, funnily enough, bring us right back around to uh, the next question I would ask, and you said before, actually, mm. are there any tutors? Because, yeah, again, like, it, it, it you've got combo? an infinite combo, but you have to find those two exact cards, that's going to be less likely yeah. than something that has two exact cards and five tutors, right? Because someone could build Niv-Mizzet Perun and include Curiosity, which, if, you're, if you've played me and played my Niv-Mizzet deck or just play in our store, you know that's an infamous combo that I play. But I run tutors and ways to get those cards and all that kind of stuff but if you just run that card in your 99 with no way of getting it no way of drawing ridiculously i mean niv mizzet is a way of drawing ridiculously (laughs) but like no other ways of like really digging to your deck it's not that bad no and to be honest i mean look we we've joked about it when i originally played against your niv mizzet deck and it did run curiosity but Mm. mostly the rest it was reasonably janky yeah um and look like I, we do joke about how awful it was to play against, but mostly it was fine. Like, and that was also at a time where all of us didn't know how to build. Decks. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And but I think it's asking if someone has an infinite combo is a really good question because you're also immediately, hopefully, gonna get if anyone at the table does not want to play against an infinite combo, 
they're probably going to say then like, That's like oh okay sorry i'm i'm just sort of after more like this kind of a game you and know? it's exactly what you did with your um salty cards like mm. i run expropriate yeah. it's one of those things like if you feel comfortable to say bt dubs i run niv mizzet and curiosity like someone might be like oh i don't want to be pinged to infinite death with niv mizzet that's just boring like, yeah awesome crap glad we've got that out of the way yeah, yeah yeah and look i i actually um this isn't something i planned originally but for a little while, I had the uh, my Cars of Wizards deck, which gets a mention every episode somehow. You know, it was really funny. I, <laughs> as I was walking into this room, I made a plan and I was like, I'm not going to bring it up. But at the end of the episode, if we don't mention it, I'm just going to go, Kaza. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've indicated. I brought Fantastic. it up of my we own volition. <laughs> there we go. It's mentioned again. Oh my God. Anyway, I had, and I think I've talked about this before, I had a ghostly flicker... Uh, infinite combo with i had two different creatures i think it's narumeha and dual caster mage so in either of those cases you um uh you basically get to infinitely flicker the dual caster mage with casting the ghostly flicker and if you literally just target a land you got infinite mana you got infinite mana right there right yeah and i used to mention before every single game i have this one infinite combo in there um and what i actually did is i had like two or three cards um, sort of tucked behind my tokens that sat in the box with Kaza. And sometimes people would be like, oh, I sort of am after more like this kind of a game. And I'd be like, that's fine. I'll take out Ghostly Flicker and put in this card instead. I did the exact same thing with Zaxara and Freed from the Real and Penzora. Right. And I actually just had two forests. <laughs> just like yeah, I was like more sure mana. thing. I mean, Zaxara is casting nineteen ramp spells, yeah. so it's like fine. No, that but makes sense. It's really funny, especially like with those really common cards, because sometimes, and you've done this before actually with your Wizards deck, that you took out Ghostly Flicker, and you still went infinite with someone the use of someone else. I can't remember what story uh, this was. I did. I yeah, did. Yeah, and I can't remember what it was, but like I think mentioning cards in your deck like ghostly flicker is not a bad way to talk about it because you can sneeze and ghostly flicker goes infinite yeah like it is such an easy thing to break it's true it's true but also like it, on that same vein right ghostly flicker is with dual customers like it's a two card infinite combo right and narrow may has another version of that card but if i take um ghostly flicker out then suddenly like there might still be a way of going infinite. And funnily enough, I discovered one day that there was still a way of going infinite, even okay. without Ghostly Flicker in the deck, because I had Jewel Caster Mage and I had Molten Echoes, where I would every time a creature ETBs, you make a copy of it. Oh. I think you have to name a creature type, and then you get a copy every time, and so I just chose Wizards. Oh, dear. Anyway, and then I also had the the last level of Mirari Conjecture, so, so every time I cast it, something, yeah. it was copied. Oh, it was no. some sort of ridiculous... I was like, oh, oh, no, that's infinite. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you did a me! You I did, did a, a me. I did a you, I did a you. But it's funny, because, interestingly, I... Because at the start of that game, I had said, like, hey, I've got this Ghostly Flicker combo, and people, they were like, oh, we're actually playing pre-cons, they've only got a few upgrades. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's fine, I'll take it out. So I didn't have Ghostly Flicker yeah. in the deck that game, but I still went infinite. But funnily enough, they all still felt fine about it. Because it was so convoluted. It was so convoluted, because <laughs> yeah. the other thing with infinite combo, right, is, and you were saying before, yeah. like, the kind of questions that you ask, like, is there tutors and everything, is, like, often it's worth asking, how many cards is it? How many cards do you need yeah. to, to complete the infinite? Because if it's like five or six, almost no one's going to feel bad about the fact that you saw it coming <laughs> yeah. four cards ago, you know, like... 
This is the thing. Like, two-card in- infinite combos is something that can happen on a single turn. If you are playing a Jesus Pig combo... Vice <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Pig, yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, I re- I'm not mad. Like, if, I, if anything, I'm now a very... Um, I, I don't know if you'd call me a wizened magic player or a zen player, but, like, I very... It's hard to upset me in games these days. I find that I get more upset with the social aspect. Like, if someone's just talking for a long time and not making game actions, that upsets me. But in terms of playing certain cards or winning in certain ways, I don't get bothered. If anything, if you win in a really cool way that some people hate, I'm going to go, that was cool, good job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just being a good commanding player as well, right? Um, Yeah, for sure. And and look, again, we talked about a few ways you can shortcut this process. It's always worth having in some way, right? So so really when you sit down and when you go to the store, like have in your mind, I'm going to make an effort to have that conversation because I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've got a bit of social anxiety. Mm. I don't sit down at the table and go, oh, I'm really looking forward to this pre-game conversation. I say to myself, I could just sit here and the game will happen anyway, but I'm, I'd rather make I an have a effort. Good time. Yeah, I want to have a good time and I'm going to make an effort and be a little bit pushy about it yep. because then everyone's going to be honest about it and we'll end up with a better game. For right? all the waltz out there, you can do it. Like, um, you know, the, what we said about, you know, how many cards have been changed for a pre-con, are there even any infinites? These little questions that you can ask, just get yourself to do it. But for all the Jameses out there that yell across a table about how good their phone battery is... <laughs> Help out the other players at the table. If you see that there is a bit of, you know, resistance to have this conversation and you are someone that can have these conversations, gently encourage... I'm not saying yell at people. I'm saying gently encourage this conversation. Put your own deck on the line first. Yeah. Say, these are the cards that you might be hate, hate, hate me on. These are the ways that I'm going to win. What about you? If you lay out a way to say it in a really simple way... They're going to basically mirror you. It's it's a really simple way of doing it. It'd be like, these are the cards that you might not like. My deck wins like this. It wins pretty consistently. What about you? They're probably going to go, oh, I have these cards that you might not like. My deck wins like this. And it's this consistent. Yeah. Three points. Like, you know, it's the same thing, right? Mm. It's the same thing that questions we were talking about before. But it, for all the Jameses out there that, you know... Thankfully, don't suffer with social anxiety. Go out and actually help people that are finding it hard to have these conversations because they want to have good games too. Yeah, exactly. And and look, one way we can make these conversations easier as well, when they do have to happen, well, they should happen all the time, (laughs) not that they have to happen, uh, is if you have the means, try to bring multiple power levels of Mm -hmm. decks to your game. So we've given you a bunch of ways to... Um, differentiate between your power levels so you should now have the tools i think to work out roughly where they sit like not uh, don't do the number scale thing again but like look at your decks and be honest and go like okay that's got five tutors and an infinite combo this is combat and it doesn't have any tutors you know that kind of thing and try to have i reckon a pre-con level deck keyword Ah, pre-con level level. (laughs) (laughs) um a you know like a synergistic deck that's pretty solid that has a good strategy and good good win cons good interaction yeah but not a powerful deck which i think is the third one you should have and that's where you're running into cards like demonic tutor or mana crypt or the the ones that we've mentioned already yeah Yeah. and, and i think that these the reason i've been a bit um unclear about the categories is i think it should vary depending on what kind of games you're after. Because, like, I don't have a CDH mm. deck. So my powerful deck is never going to be a CDH deck. No. So my powerful deck is probably just going to be the 
pretty strong budget deck yeah. that I own. I've got like a Tigam deck that can string Very together strong. extra turn spells. Azor is pretty good these days. Yeah, my Azor solid, the Lawbringer yeah. deck is pretty solid as well. So like that's the kind of thing that sits at my top end. But you know, for you, your powerful deck is a CDH that's deck. That's my Niv deck. That's the deck that I have to say, this is a CDH game, everybody. And I think I'm going to kind of interject here sure. with a quick conversation about CDH. Because we've mentioned it a couple of times in this episode already, but... For those that haven't heard of CDH before, it stands for Competitive Elder Dragon Highlander, which is basically, this is the most powerful you can make your deck, as as, it, as powerful as you can get it, regardless of price, interaction, saltiness, anything. The friends you make along the way, bullshit. Like, <laughs> nothing. It is, this CDH is winning the game as effectively and efficiently as possible and stopping your opponents from doing just that. CDH is a different way of playing Commander, and I actually think that some people end up accidentally in a CDH pod without a CDH deck. And there's one, there's something that happens automatically. They have a bad time. Mm. Because the rules, this is how rule zero and CDH goes. Uh, I'm playing Joyra Cheerio Storm. Alright, fantastic. I'm playing Nivmizic Curiosity Control Combo. Okay, I'm playing Vile Smasher and Thrasios. Yep, brilliant. I'm playing Timner Farm. I'm like, Cool. All right, everyone, shuffle up. Let's play. That is the rule zero conversation in CDH. Mm. You know everyone's deck, how it wins, and what cards they're probably going to include to stop you. Yeah. Just by them saying what structure it is, because there is an optimal way of building CDH decks. Mm. That's just how it is. Like, there are perfect Niv-Mizzet curiosity combo lists, mm. and I'm trying to get mine to as be as that as possible. So when I say I'm playing Niv-Mizzet Control Curiosity, everyone goes, I know exactly what you're going to be doing. There's going to be a ton of blue counter spells. You're probably going to go land pass. And then if I see Niv hit the board, I need to kill it immediately because that curiosity could be round the corner. If, if, if I see a lab man hit the table, you're probably going to win it another way. Like that's the rule zero conversation. If you're a player that sat down at a table and someone says CDH and you've got a powerful deck you might not have a CDH deck. I would even go a step further and say you probably don't you have a CDH deck. You probably don't. If you can't call it CDH, it's probably not. Mm. And this is, I've, I've found this, and we're actually running at our store at the moment in our community, we're running a welcome to CDH event, mm. which is really exciting because we're introducing CDH as a format, but one of the things that we were experiencing was some people building powerful decks in keeping those pet cards in them mm. and not making that ruthless cut of going, I just need Thassa Demonic Consultation. Yeah. Like, it, it's really brutal. And this is the thing. If you sit down at one of those tables, you're going to have a terrible time. And unfortunately, you're probably going to frustrate the CDH players. Because mm. the, their decks are actually built to go up against other CDH decks. Correct. And weirdly enough... Yeah, like, some of their things are going to make you feel really awful, and some of your things are going to make them feel really awful, because they're not adequately prepared for it. And, yeah, yeah look, I, I think if there's... One thing I can say about CDH, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, like, when you build a powerful deck, you usually start with a deck that's pretty solid, and you slowly add things. Yeah. A CDH deck starts from a list you find online, and then you make a few choices regarding which cards to include. It is... You're very accurate in that. And I think that with this CDH event, the Welcome to CDH event that our Greensboro Commander community is running, that's how most players went about building their list. And uh, honestly, the, now the, the, I'm really excited for the competition. It's on August 6th um, at the Good Games Greensboro store. If 
you want to come along and watch, uh, I might get a turn one win. Who knows? <laughs> um, it, 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 it's really fun. And you can rock up and you can learn about CDH at this event without you know registering or without anything we'll happily talk you through it yeah there's no fee I there's no fee yeah, yeah there's, there's there's a fee for competing in the bracket with the prize support but that's already closed anyway, it's already closed yeah, and yeah, if but... you want to come along and have a look it's it'll be really good fun yeah um but yeah the the thing that i kind of want to drive home is cdh is a whole different bubble it, it is not 9 10 power scale if you're using that number line again cdh isn't a 9 or 10 it's an 11. It falls off the 1 to 10. Mm. It is a different thing. And it's funny that you said the whole, you know, a strong deck is going from a solid start, a synergistic deck, to a powerful deck. Mind if Mizzet deck, it's really funny because you were actually there when I made the decision. I said, Niv Mizzet is now too powerful to play in casual pods. I'm making it CDH. You were there when that decision happened, mm. but it's funny. I didn't then start building more cards and putting more and more into Niv. I stripped it down. Mm. I completely tore it apart. I kept the cards that were CDH level and removed everything else. Mm. Funnily enough, I remember around that time, I sort of had probably at the time a not super um, strong idea of what CDH was. And so I saw a couple of other cards and I was like, oh, James, because you were trying to make some really difficult cuts. Mm. I remember, like, you were to make room for the ones you wanted to add. Like, Mirari Conjecture was one I was really torn over because yeah. I found it so cool. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and and so as we were having those conversations, I was like, oh, um, I don't think the Niv Mizzet usually runs, like, something like this. And you were like, no, actually, I found a couple of lists online that do that. Mm. And that's the kind of different conversation you're talking about. You're not talking about, like, oh, can I make a justification for this pet card? And, like, can I find room for this card whose art I really love? It's like, no, 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 no. You're finding the list and you're, like, tweaking it for yeah. your for your. And if you want to put your flavor on it, you can do that. But, yeah. like, it is... It is cheese dust powder on top of a already established recipe. Like yes. it is, it, and and this is the thing that a lot of players, I think, mistake strong powerful decks that they can play at a CDH table. Mm. I'm not trying, and this is the thing. I really don't want. I hope I'm not coming across as gatekeepy. Here. I don't think you are. I'm just trying to make sure that if you want to play CDH, get a CDH deck, mm. and if you have a commander that's. Proxy it, I will say. Yeah, right oh, bat. 100%. Make proxies God, God. of the deck. Don't don't cough out $5,000 or $10,000 yeah. on a deck you don't know you're not going to love. <laughs> there are also decks, uh, CDH decks, that you can build pretty... I mean, I'm going to say budget, but you're going to scream at that. <laughs> but, like, yeah. for example, Joy Richerios is, yeah. is actually achievable to build under 300 I'd say. It's, mm, like... probably going to still... You're still going to want a few cards that'll push it closer to a thousand to make it really fantastic but yeah you yeah. can build a solid cdh deck for 300 i'd agree with that yeah and like you can do it and like again it, you'll need a mana crypt but proxy it and just mm. talk to your table about it our welcome to cdh event actually had an option for players to buy printed proxies from oh, us yeah, yeah. before the event so i'm really keen we've printed them all out they look awesome that you know they've been verified by our judge for gameplay cool we're really keen for it so august 6th if you want to come down and get introduced to welcome to cdh please come along because we are going to do a bit of a spiel a bit of a conversation about what cdh is then we're going to have the tournament bracket and it'll be over before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> See if James can get another turn one win. Let's yeah, do it. For sure, for sure. But I completely agree in terms of bring those decks. And I'm going to actually make a product recommendation in terms of when you go to a game store, if you have the means to bring multiple decks, there is some incredible products out there 
that you can put decks in that kind of you can almost line them up in power oh, like multiple stuff. decks yeah yeah, yeah. So my favorites at the moment are the uh, the ultimate guard archive super hive um treasure hive all that yeah kind of stuff. well yeah i really like those um there's a bunch of other products on the market that you can have a look at but if you're looking at bringing multiple decks you can get like deck cases just thought I'd throw that out. Yeah, there no, for sure. I'm I'm a huge fan of the. Um, again, we're not sponsored by any of these companies, but the yeah, the Ultimate mm. Guard um, archives, archive, yeah, mm. um, fits four boulders, um, Ultimate Guard boulders in there, and yeah, I every single Commander night I bring four Commander decks in yep. those boulders, and I try to make sure that they're the, yeah everywhere. And look, not everyone's going to be like that, but at the, at the very least, I think if you have the means to play lots of Commander, yep. have yeah a precon or close to a precon, uh, a synergistic deck. And a powerful deck. Just so you can have good games and everyone else can. And let's throw yep. this paper in. Oh, hey, there it goes. All right. So oh, we're getting so much better at that. We are indeed. No one's getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. Um, <laughs> menacing. That um, sounds like we're in some kind of void and throwing it outside. And being like, <laughs> I hope it doesn't kill someone. Oh, my word. Well, look, we, we've been talking for a while now. So I just wanted to, to wrap it all up and just say... Um, again, we, everyone who sits down to play Commander wants to have fun, including CDH players, including precon players. Um, and I think you would agree that the, the best games of Commander that we play are the ones that are really close, right? Yeah. Where everyone's close love to those. winning. So we, we want to end up with those games and the best way that we can get to those games is by having those pregame conversations where we work out what where everyone's sitting. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that... All the tips and tricks that we've said about how to have the conversation and how, like, the last tip that we just gave about what you can bring to the store. If you just follow a little bit of this advice, tell us how it goes. Like, see see if you can see the difference in your games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, that's just about from us. So the question for the listeners, yeah, how, how does it go when you try to apply those techniques to, to describing your decks, like James was saying? And um, I also want to hear about any decks that are difficult to describe oh, so like yeah. what, what what do you think sits at a, at a nebulous spot where like it, like i think i'm gonna throw it out there think the well it belongs to ellie now but the deck that vi built oh, such a the weird, jesus pig yeah. so it's you know it's like is there a combo in that deck yes, yes. is it an infinite combo yes. yes do i win the game on the spot yes, yes. how many pieces does it require six <laughs> 19 <laughs> how many tutors are there like 20 <laughs> How often does it happen? Not very. <laughs> so, like, you're describing it as like, okay, six, oh, seven, nine. Okay, yeah. this, is, this is big, this is big. Three? <laughs> You've got someone, like, with a pre-con deck, like, putting, yeah. on the, putting it on the table, like, taking it off the table. I'll put it on the table. Oh, take it take off the it table. table. <laughs> you got, like, someone standing there with, like, a control combo list and elves just being like, yeah. Hmm. Uh, going cross-eyed. <laughs> Um, I'm going to play both. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, I also just wanted to throw it out there uh, as we're wrapping it up here that, that a reminder that the 10th episode of our podcast is the community q and It's next episode! It's two episodes away. <laughs> two episodes? Are we episode nine or it's episode eight? It's episode eight, unfortunately. No! It's not the next one. So oh my excited. god, James is that excited. He's, uh, he's skipping time. I've, I've got a list of questions from community members already. Thank you guys so much for sending them through. Yeah, there's been some really good ones. Uh, yeah, It's really funny because Walt and I, believe it or not, hang out outside of this podcast. Sometimes. And it's just occasionally. Um, <laughs> it's really hard for me not to have conversations with Walt about these questions yeah. because I want to save 
save the conversation for the podcast. I'm exactly the same. I've yeah. read some of these questions. I've gone, oh my God, I, I can't wait to talk to James about it. But yes, we're trying yeah. to wait. It's two episodes away. So um, if you have anything you'd like us to answer, seriously, anything, like obviously we're a commander podcast, so mostly it should be commander. But if you just want to know about like what decks I have and what mm. decks James has. And How like- we organize our cards was one that I got that I'm really keen to talk about. Because, oh, yeah. Because at, I'm going to say New Year's Eve last year, like uh, this year. Do you remember yeah. that? We'll talk about that. That's, cool, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I mean, look, any anything you would like to know about me or James or our decks or how we play Commander... Yeah. Um, tips for playing better games like seriously throw them our way so either comment uh, on the SoundCloud on the YouTube um, or feel free if you um, are friends with us on Facebook just message us directly yep. um, I've got a bit of a document going I'm sure James is I've the, got same. the same yeah. so um, anything that we don't get to in that q and I'm going to go ahead and say it is going to be its own episode. So if you have a question and then we don't answer it in that episode, it's because it's going to be its, it's own episode. It's so good. And then yeah. I've already got some. I've got like four like or that. five yeah. that have already gone. Like, that's so got to be an episode. In other words, thank you guys for writing our podcast for us. We really, <laughs> pre- <laughs> we really appreciate all the hard work and we'll take the reward and the fame. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, that's just about it. But uh, James, it is tradition. Play of the week. Do you have one? I have played so much Commander over the past fortnight. Really? And I'm so happy about it. I have... My brain is tingling with different um, plays that could happen, but I'm actually going to give a shout out to a new community member. I don't want to do it by name because they are under 18 and I haven't got their consent for the the podcast. Sure. But a new player came in. I'm going to say their age though. 14. Wow. 14 years old and came in with their dad. And by the way, their dad, old school magic player, Ah, came in and was just, I could see that he was super keen. By the way, if you're listening um, to this podcast, because I did recommend it. Hi, it's great that you're here. I'm glad that you guys stuck around. Um, And I got to sit down with a brand new commander player that had only ever played a bit of Arena, is what they said at the start. Wow, so really new to the game. Really, really new to the game. And granted, I actually want to give a shout out to another community member, Nick, who finished this game for me, because it it ended up being a very long game with lots of explanations of rules, and I was quite busy running raffles and all this kind of stuff around night, and I unfortunately had to tap out and give Nick the play. But I just wanted to give um, this kid a shout out, because... This is my play of the week. To be 14 years old, come into a game store. Also, like, 14's that kind of age where you're like, get off me, dad. I want to go, you know, do that kind of stuff. This kid had such an incredible attitude to the game, was really open about the Rule Zero conversation. I also want to give a shout out to two of our other community members, Jacob Butters, a Buttersworth, Butters. I never call him Jacob. It called me so <laughs> off guard. I wanted to name it, but Butters and Ben um, were the other two opponents in that game. Yep. You guys did a fantastic job of, um, I know that both of them listened to the podcast, so you guys did a fantastic job of introducing this um, Rule Zero conversation, talked about power levels, but the the play of the game, and this is the thing, it was, it was like a fortnight ago now, unfortunately, so it wasn't technically this week, but the play of the game was this 14-year-old kid reminding Ben, who is a very experienced ma- magic player, about a trigger in his upkeep that he missed. Wow. And it was just this beautiful moment because it was one of these things like it was a it was a you know an upkeep trigger that had been going for a couple of turns and Ben was doing it all the time. I think it was I can't remember if it was one of the things that you have to pay might have been a cumulative I can't remember. Oh, maybe Mystic Remora or something. Mm, I don't think it was Mystic Remora because it was much lower powered but like 
I can't remember. It was an upkeep trigger that Ben was making a point of every single time. And this kid, Ben started making game actions and this kid just went, oh, Ben, are you going to do this on your upkeep? And there was this beautiful moment where Ben went, I've taught you well, young Padawan. <laughs> you have come to the table and now have the power. It was it, it was just a really beautiful moment. Honestly, yeah. like my play of the week is like that moment specifically of someone reminding and giving keeping track. But the fact this kid is 14, super confident. And but can I say as well, the dad, good job on because you're an experienced magic player. Good job on not backseat magic playing. Like that was some oh, seriously good. good a, you know, parenting. I just, I, it was the whole interaction just warmed my heart. It was oh, awesome. That's that's great. I mean, yeah. look, we we sort of market ourselves as being like our community is for um, everyone, for everyone, everyone. And, and naturally we t- tend to get a lot of new players. I, I think our podcast is great for new players as well. So if you like the podcast, please. Comment on the video, um, drop us a like. Like, subscribe, and ring yeah. the bell. <laughs> <laughs> do it, though. <laughs> Please do it. it um, we're really excited, and I will say it in, in this episode, we're really excited that after next episode, we are going to be working with a local game company um, to make this podcast more available. And when we say more available, Apple Music and Spotify, mm. we're very excited to be branching out, and we'll talk more about the company we're working with um, when we lock in the details, but we're coming to Spotify we're coming to Apple podcast, be patient, but we're, I'm not sure if you can tell Walt and I love doing this podcast and we're getting all emotional. It's not even episode 10 yet. <laughs> um, but if you have anything that you want to talk about or ask us, episode 10 is coming up a little slower than I wanted to apparently, <laughs> um, but please comment, like, talk to us. And again, I know a lot of you, a lot of you see us in store. A lot of the listeners out there see us personally. Put it on the YouTube, put it on the Facebook page when we put it up there, comment on SoundCloud because there are people out there in the community that want to hear this stuff and want to get connected and I want to talk to them and hear their opinions. So the more we get this out there, the bigger our community grows, the more people we have, the more opinions we have and the more and the more people I can tell I've got to turn one win. <laughs> If I can just add one more thing, I, I would like to thank everyone who's been with us all the way since episode one. We've had a few people who tuned in back then. They're still tuning in now. Yeah. So um, thank you. Like we we seriously couldn't be, I mean, we're not very far yet, but we've got a lot further we'd like to go. And, and, and it's thanks to you guys. So really thank yeah. you for listening. And So um, shout out to monthly list or weekly list, like Stella and correcting us yeah. on one episode. Ben for yeah. giving us some really good ben advice. Ben dropped us a follow the other day. Really yeah. appreciate that, Ben. Um, there's some Jordan's r- a really avid listener. Nick for, um, for Nick's just started driving and said that he hasn't even listened to music really yet in his car. It's just been us. Oh, um, that's so that's so pretty sweet. cute. <laughs> um, so yeah, all of you guys that are listening um, and subscribing and, and c- having conversations with us about it you have no idea this is kind of like a dream come true for Walt and I even though we're really small we're both people that love creating content and love connecting with people this is a way that we can do that and the fact that we're going to be even bigger we're going to be able to spread our wings a little bit more oh this is awesome right yeah it's gonna be great all right thanks so much for being with us and we're gonna throw this piece of paper paper. oh Oh, my god it was a three pager tonight okay both of those hit James so that that came full circle (laughs) I was too commenty about it I kept saying we were doing such a good job but that's it Thank you very much, everyone. Catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Kaza. Ah.